welcome to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, look to the future, and profit today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. It's funny how sometimes you talk to somebody, you meet someone, they describe something that they use or that they're working on, and suddenly you start to see that concept appear in all sorts of places. Well, that's what's happened to me in the last little while with a concept called customer discovery. Now, if you know what customer discovery is, it's probably old hat, but what I've discovered is there's a lot of folks who don't know what customer discovery is, or if they do some form of customer discovery, it's ad hoc and it's kind of suboptimal at best. Now, I found out about customer discovery um, speaking to a friend of mine. His name is Christopher Naismith. And Christopher was a consultant and he's now got his own startup. He's launching a new product that we're going to talk about. But what really caught me at my attention was the way that he approached building his product. And that's what we want to dig into today. That's about accurate, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Give me a little, give me a little backgrounder on, uh, on the product that you're building. Sure, yeah. So we're building a product called Audette. Um, and Audette is a tool for commercial energy managers to identify uh, energy efficiency opportunities in their buildings. So in simple English, it's, it's I, I use Audette and I can see where, where energy is basically going out the wall, where I'm, where I'm wasting energy. This helps me optimize and keep tweaking and tweaking, right? Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the operation of buildings accounts for 28% of global greenhouse gases, which is more than all transportation combined. So we have a big challenge ahead of us in taking the carbon out of out of buildings mm -hmm. and right now there's a big user experience problem there's people don't know what to do how to do it how to access the money to do that um, and it's not particularly sexy so that's the problem that we're solving now customer discovery i remember we were at a we were at a party and we started talking about this the way that you were building your product using customer discovery and at the time i'd never heard the term before so talk to me a little bit about what customer discovery is sure so i'm a bit of a process nerd um, whenever i have a problem that i'm approaching uh, I, I usually look to literature or, or some someone who's done it well in the past and one thing that i've been aware of for quite a long time and been putting into practice in my work is um, the what's called Steve, well, a guy named Steve Blank, uh, who's a Harvard business professor and um, multi-startup uh, starter. Mm -hmm. uh, He's also done some killer YouTube videos. <laughs> killer YouTube videos. Um, he, he has a, a book and a methodology called Four Steps to Epiphany. Uh -huh. And it's really about how do you build products that people need. And the first step of that, of uh, this four-step process, is called customer discovery. And it really is just that, is getting out into the world and understanding what the problems are so that you build things that people want. Now, the problem is we talk about it. We say it's important, but we don't like to do it. How come? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, uh, it, for me, I can speak from my experience, it's an emotional thing. Um, the, 
as, as an, an innovator, as somebody who's got big ideas and wants to make change, I want to be perceived as the smartest person in the room. I want people to love my idea and follow me along, get sucked up in my reality distortion field. Um, and so the act of saying, hey, did I get this right? Or, hey, am I solving a problem of yours? Really puts me in a vulnerable place. It, it puts me in a place of not not being an expert. Um, mm -hmm. And that's one of the most challenging things. So the biggest piece that I took away from, I take away continuously from, from this methodology is get out of the building. You don't learn anything building your product uh, if you don't get out and put it in front of people or talk to people ahead of time. Now, I think it was, it was Steve Blank in his video. He had this great anecdote where um, he talked about launching a company and being the person to go out in the street and actually talk to people um, and, and how brilliant that was because he got the feedback on his own product as hurtful as it was and it helped him create a successful product. And the second time around, he got hired by someone who, uh, who said, I, I'm not going to go do this discovery. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire you to do the discovery. And so he sent his people out to do it. And the results were lousy. He said it's, it's super important for the founder to be doing the discovering. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the person who's building the product needs to have a direct feedback loop with the people who are using that product. Mm -hmm. um, it's very easy to, to tell oneself, to tell my, it's very easy to tell myself that, oh, that person didn't, didn't get my idea. They don't understand my genius. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's really um, important that that feedback loop exists so that I can see the pain in their eyes or I can understand the context in which they're trying to use a thing. Um, it makes it much, much harder to ignore negative feedback. Yeah. Now talk to me, uh, you know, we were just before we turned the, turned the record button on, you're talking about a, uh, uh, an anecdote yesterday. You went to a customer, didn't get your product at all. Is it always the product? Yeah. Sorry, say that again? Is it always the product? Uh, no, no. So the product, in my opinion, consists of really two pieces. One is all the, the stuff that's happening in the background, all your fancy analytics, all the code, all the database. And then the other piece is the user-facing, user experience piece, um, the context in which it's received, the, the place where the rubber really hits the road. So. Mm -hmm. Quite often, you can have a you can have wonderful products. There's so many great analytical products out there that just don't get used um, because the user experience sucks. And mm -hmm. so, this is really what this is a little bit further ahead than the customer discovery process. But we, when we are ready to build something, we build functional prototypes that take us a couple of days to build, and then we bring them out into the into the customer set and have them play around with it. And so we don't have a lot of emotional effort or physical effort put into the product. We just have a, something that works well enough for people to break it. And that's what we were doing yesterday. And it's an amazing learning experience. Now, it's funny that you should say that because, uh, you know, when I first uh, launched into this show today, uh, I talked about how things seem to line up. Once you've got a concept in your head, you see it everywhere. And last night I was teaching a workshop on, of all things, uh, creating more effective presentations. 
And I always tell my students or the, the workshoppers that they got to work with post-it notes as opposed to Word documents because a Word document, you write an entire manuscript. And then if somebody sees something wrong in it, they have trouble telling you exactly what that thing is. And then if they just red ink it, you cry and you go home. But if you do things on post-it notes, you put one idea on a post-it note, people can isolate, that one sucks, this one's great. You tear the one that sucks out, nobody cries. It's just one thought. And I guess that kind of mirrors what you're going through. You build these prototypes quick, get feedback quick, tweak them quick, and move on, and you don't cry. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't invest a lot of effort in things that you have not validated. So the, the customer discovery process is really about, before you build anything, validate that this problem exists in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so, uh, it was, uh, that brings, I, I just, I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a chronic interrupter, but these, when you start talking, all these ideas pop into my head. I remember a great project from IDEO, the great design shop, industrial design shop, uh, and uh, they created a new type of bank machine, ATM, and they created it for a country uh, where literacy was quite low. And what they did, they turned the screen into actually somebody walking on the screen and uh, talking to the people and making hand gestures to show, do you want a $20 bill, you know, four fives, two tens, what do you want? And then the person would stick the money on the screen into something that looked like a slot and the money would pop out. Brilliant idea. Also built ergonomics into this thing so people could hide what they were doing because this was a country with a lot of theft. Um, And what surprised me, long story short, was that they tested this using basically a cardboard box and duct tape. They built this ATM out of a cardboard box and duct tape and had people test it like that as opposed to building something shiny and then finding out 12 months later of design that it sucked. Is that kind of, does that kind of mirror what you do? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and there's a bunch of different methodologies around this. IDEO has some really great stuff out there about how, how to approach these problems, uh, how their methodology, how to put together lots of rapid prototypes. We also use a thing called the Google uh, Design Sprint, which is a one-week uh, one week intensive workshop to build a functional product and put it in front of people, um, which we found really useful. So uh, yeah, that's getting sort of further into once you have an idea, Mm -hmm. how do you validate, how do do you design the least cost test that's going to either validate or invalidate that Mm -hmm. you've built the right thing? Do I I talk to, sorry, I'm interrupting again. Do I talk to five people, 10 people, 100 people? Yeah, so the the rule of thumb, well, what Steve Blank says is you should talk to 100 people before you build anything. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, just a logistical challenge depending on the, the market segment that you're operating in. And so there's, there's somewhere in between probably. But five people is enough to see a trend. Mm-hmm. And if it's a positive trend, then, then awesome. Um, but so, you know, if, if five people say, this is my biggest problem and I would pay money to solve it, Great. You're probably on the right track. But likely what's going to happen is you'll get a, a bunch of sort of middle, you'll, you'll miss the mark on quite a number of those interviews. So, so to, to root it in, in real examples, what we're approaching commercial building owners who have uh, a desire for 
making sustainable changes in their buildings. Mm -hmm. But the commercial building market is very varied and complex. You've got small shop owners, you've got large real estate investment trusts, you've got all sorts of things happening in this market. So the the act of getting out there and understanding the problems um, is uh, is kind of scattershot. We have to reach out to as many people as possible. And of those, a few of them uh, are going to are going to validate what we're trying to build or what the idea that we have, and a few of them are not. And so you kind of need to do a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as you start getting that really reliable feedback that yes, this is a problem, um, then you know that you're onto something, and then you can design that test that 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 validates that. Now you you uh, you you ran right past this one idea that we talked about uh, before we turned on the uh, the recording, um, but it, I think it's super important and bears bringing to mind. Uh, you said the way to find out if these hundred or five or ten people are the right people uh, is by finding out if your problem if 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 you ask them what's your top problems in the day, and if unprompted they don't list a problem that you can solve then you just got to move on because otherwise you're kind of leading the jury. Don't you think this is also a problem you might have? And then you're forcing them to make stuff up. So you, you, one of the first questions you ask is what problems do you have in a day? What are the things that piss you off? And then you just shut up and listen, right? Yeah. 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 So maybe I can talk a little bit about how we set these things up because that's, mm-hmm. logistically that's kind of the biggest, the biggest challenge is how do you get, in front of people, people are busy. Um, they've got, oh, you know, they, they don't give a shit about your problem or what you're, you're building. Really, they they give they they are looking to solve a problem of their own. And um, so, the way that we approach this is um, to go to our friends, people that we know, and say, hey, you know, we're we're trying to build something here, and we consider you to be a thought leader in this industry. And we'd really love 20 minutes of your time just to understand a little bit about what your day looks like. Uh, and if there's some problem that, that we might be able to solve. And sometimes, depending on the person, it, it, we even emphasize like there's no sales pitch involved in this. We're not trying to sell you anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we run through the interview. And at the end of the interview, we will say, hey, thanks. That was really, really valuable. And usually it was. Um, We'd love to talk to people that you consider to be a thought leader in this space because, uh, you know, we'd like to expand our understanding and, and usually they'll give us the name and that kind of expands from there. So that's a really kind of, that's the nuts and bolts of actually getting these interviews. There's mm-hmm. a few other pieces of advice around um, call. If you're tar- trying to target executives, call at the end of the day when their, their uh, administrative person may have gone home. And uh, always try and keep it to, to 20 minutes. If they're really engaged, they'll usually go over. You know, it was funny working with you, working with you on discovery processes. One of the questions that you always ask, and which I love, is at the very end of the interview, you always ask, is there anybody else I should talk to? And the second one, which I love, is what question should I have asked you? I love that question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that one, um, it's always nice to give a bit of an open-ended, uh, you know, if, if, if we ended up talking about some segment of their job that is mildly painful or, uh, you know, they thought that, that I wanted to talk about, 
that question kind of gives them a space to rant yeah. or, uh, or to ask, or to ask questions about, you know, if they're interested in what we're building to ask a few questions. Now, why, uh, why is it so important that the founder does this? You know, Steve Blank talks about it. Um, if, if you put me in charge of uh, doing these calls for you, what would go missing? Uh, yeah, sure. So I'm, as the founder in an early stage company, I'm the one who's driving product vision. And if I put you out there, and I have actually tried this with a, with another uh, consultant, put you out there and ask you to answer some questions, I'll get some very objective uh, feedback. I'll get a, a document that I can read through, but I'm, there's no emotion baked into that. And the that emotional piece when we're building products we are trying to make people's lives better we are trying to solve an emotional problem for them um and we, that just gets missed there's no if we're not if we're not especially as an early stage product unfamiliar in the market there's no social capital associated with mm -hmm. using this product um we really need to make people endorphins go off you know we yeah. need to make some yeah. something that makes people happy and if you can't see what makes people sad if you can't feel what pe makes people sad then it's really hard to to re resolve that pain now before we before we turned on on the record button you talked a bit about where the the process of customer discovery comes from and and you say it tracks all the way back to agile thinking just in time thinking uh rapid prototyping not building anything before you know what you got to build uh, and to some people, I think, you know, I'm a founder. Uh, I have this vision of this great thing uh, that I'm going to build. That flies in the face of everything that uh, TV tells us what founders should do. Talk to me a little yeah. bit about that, where the, the, the background of this and, uh, you know, the perception that somebody has a brilliant idea, goes out and changes the world with it, how, how that's just a, a crock of crap. There's probably a lot of people who could speak to the history of Agile a lot more effectively than I could, but it, to, to say that, that that idea of the, the sole innovator um, coming up with an idea in their garage is, is bullshit. It, mm -hmm. it, it's a process of iteration and failure and mostly building on top of other people's ideas and experiencing the pain of of, a, of an existing product and then making some incremental change that removes that pain. So yeah, I think that narrative is, is seducing, but also really pretty misleading um, that we can just solve the problems just by thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And then as it pertains to, to agile methodology, agile fundamentally is just about not doing things that don't lead to to benefit. So don't, don't over document things. Don't build a ton of stuff without testing it. Um, deploy anything that you, you make, deploy it into the marketplace as early as possible and in, in as basic a form as possible so that you can learn what mistakes you make. Cause invariably you didn't get it right. Mm -hmm. There's, there's no innovator who got it right the first time. And the act of getting something right is, is the act of failure repeated failure and then learning from those and we can't we can't um we have to fail quickly because if if we fail slowly that's really expensive that uh, mm -hmm. most most 
early stage companies don't have the kind of runway to make more than, you know, one or two big failures, but we have a lot of runway to make 50 small failures mm -hmm. and we learn so much in the process. Um, so talk to me about uh, your product, uh, some anecdotes. Let's finish off with a couple of anecdotes, things that you've actually learned for Audet, uh, the product you're building based on uh, customer discovery. Yeah, sure. So uh, what we're doing is, is trying to improve the user experience of uh, the commercial energy audit. Mm -hmm. So we are approaching commercial building owners um, and the, the, the people within those, those larger organizations who represent the sustainability strategy and really trying to understand what their their problems are. And to just to tie it back to one of your previous questions, I don't think I fully answered is, what does that um, interview look like? Mm -hmm. And that, that really looks like um, showing up curious and, and asking really open-ended questions. So we say, tell me about your day. What is your, mm -hmm. you know, what, what are you, what are you trying to get done? What are the jobs you're trying to get done throughout the day? Um, and what are your biggest challenges with that? And what we're looking for is what is the, what is the sort of overarching goal of, of all of the little micro tasks they go do throughout the day? And so one thing that, that we learned um, is that the job of the sustainability strategist or the energy manager or whatever you want to call them within a, an organization is really just to try and um, keep up with the, the asset managers. So the asset managers just replace all of the boilers and chillers and pumps and windows and every piece that makes up the building on an ongoing basis. And so the person who's in charge of, of sustainability is just trying to interject little pieces of, of good sustainable design into that asset management stream. Um, and so hearing that, we can pull it back even a little bit further and like, what is the emotional job that that person is trying to, trying to, to do? Mm -hmm. And um, what we've learned is really they're just trying to be accepted. They're trying to get a seat at the table with the, the group that manages, actually manages these buildings. And they're trying to have their ideas heard. So if we weren't asking those questions and we weren't listening to that, we would try and uh, make a better energy audit. Um, the same way that if, if Henry Ford had asked his uh, pre-car customers what they wanted, they would have said they wanted a faster horse. Mm -hmm. But they, the real thing that they're trying to get done within, an, within a, a commercial building organization is to uh, be heard and to get a seat at the table. So we're ultimately building a product that speaks to the needs of both of those groups and allows them to have a better relationship together. And that's really um, how customer discovery has really shifted our thinking around what we were building. I would never have thought of that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like yeah. you said, it's <laughs> like, I, to me, I'm building an energy audit device. Well, what are you building? An energy audit device, obviously, not a device that gets somebody a seat at the table. You're like, never would have thought of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's crazy. And then people just give you that. And then, uh, you know, I think the big temptation, though, would be to ignore advice like that. You know, they say it, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, if you're a founder and you're overly anxious that you, that you don't listen to them and you go, that's a byproduct of me building a great energy audit product and, and not taking their advice seriously. Mm-hmm. Is there a temptation in that? Oh, certainly. Yeah, there's a temptation to hear a problem and want to pitch a solution. And that's probably the hardest piece of, um, of doing discovery. It initially, was the hardest piece initially is, is uh, you know, as an empathetic person, I believe we all are fairly empathetic. We want to solve somebody's problems. It's why we're doing this. So if somebody says, I have this problem, it's very tempting to jump in and say, I have the solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's wonderful. And that really shortcuts the whole thing. It just short, short circuits the whole conversation because now they're thinking about your product and they, they'll probably give you some positive feedback on that. Um, but that's not really what it's about. It's about drilling into the pain because the initial thing that they'll state is a, is a tactical pain, mm-hmm. um, something that doesn't work, an Excel spreadsheet that sucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we continue to drill into that, we'll really understand what emotional job they're trying to get done. And then that's where we find the meat of the problem and really the juicy solutions. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time. Now, anybody who wants to check out your product, they go to Audette, A-U-D-E-T-T-E dot I-O, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and it, uh, in the spirit of customer discovery, if you own or manage or are involved with commercial buildings, we'd love to hear from you and hear your stories about uh, what works, what doesn't work. Oh, I'm sure we'll have no shortage of opinions on that. I got a lot of people listening to this show. I'm sure there's going to be some folks dialing you up. (laughs) Christopher, thank you so much for taking the time. Also, uh, I'll spell out your name, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R, last name Naismith, N-A-I-S-M-I-T-H. Folks can look you up under that name on LinkedIn. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah, so check them out. And I'll also put the links to all the stories and all the references that you have in there and the Steve Blank video, which I thought was awesome. And uh, yeah, I'll also, also link folks up to you and, uh, and link them up to Audette so everybody can check it out and give Chris your feedback and uh, let him know how he can fix his tr- product and make him crazy. Thanks so much for taking the time. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the show about brands that learn from the past, look to the future, and profit today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. If you'd like to talk about brands, drop me a line. I'd love to hear your ideas.